When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 19th, 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I've been giving this some thought lately with the poker rooms now starting to really get up there uh, with the openings and, and functioning and stuff. I was curious what your thoughts were about, you know, there were players who just said, you know, I don't care about this this damn virus or or there were people who were just like, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to open up an online account and keep playing and get really good at this or whatever. But I was curious, do you think that uh, now that things are opening up and people who weren't playing all this time are coming back, there's going to be like an edge for the people who kept playing or, or is there going to be like a massive influx of money into the, in the economy for at least the pro players and the, and the better than average players? Or, or is it just like when you fall off a, a bike, you get back on, it's not a big deal. Uh, I definitely think it's the former, and uh, I've been thinking about this too because I'm getting close to deciding to go play a live tournament for the first time in 14, 15, 16 months. Right, <laughs> right. Whatever it is. And um, and I was thinking that I'm honest with myself. I'm like, I, I know I'm going to be donating to the prize pool the first time out because I just I haven't been doing much other than, you know, obviously what we talk about in the show here and, and some other things, but I haven't been playing um, and haven't been around it. So I am. Um, there's no way I'm as, as sharp as I used to be, right? So um, it, it's going to take a little while to get back into that groove, I, I assume. So, uh, But at least I'm honest with myself. I, I know I'm yeah. playing prize pool. So yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of other folks that uh, they get that second shot and uh, they're right back in there and uh, are thinking that the uh, variance is not on their side when it's really probably just um, a lack of uh, committing to the game for the last year or so, right? Yeah. So, the other thing I was wondering too is, like with our the clubs that I'm, I'm members of for the, the bonsai trees and stuff, we've gotten quite a few new members because they were stuck at their house and they couldn't do anything. So what they ended up doing was working their landscaping or going to Home Depot and getting trees or whatever. And then they discovered, you know, the art of bonsai. And I thought, well, people were stuck at home. I had discovered online poker. So now that the online poker, you don't have to just do online poker. You can go back out again. Now they might get a whole influx, like a mini boom of people coming out and saying, hey, I learned how to play poker online, now I think I'm good enough to go play live, and now that I can, I'm gonna, you know, I wonder if that's gonna happen too. 
Yeah, yeah, I absolutely do think it. Um, yeah, there, there are going to be more people playing and more people not as skilled playing. Yeah, yeah, and that that'll create more TV shows that we won't watch. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely will be a little mini boom here, though, for the players that that stay committed to the game through um, through uh, COVID. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Congrats to them, and uh, but hey, again, as long as you're honest, like I am, uh, I'm just gonna go out and enjoy myself, and, and hope hope I get lucky. And, and you know, I that's a the rust isn't as thick as I think it might be. I was gonna say that's a great way to just believe. Anyway, is to always be honest with yourself, whether it's COVID or not. You know, that's a great way to be as a poker player. Just be honest in your abilities and recognize the players who are better than you. Try to avoid them and go up against the players that are you know, that are less than you and that kind of thing. So as long as you're fully aware of your own abilities, that's going to be beneficial to you in the long run anyway when you're playing poker. Absolutely. Right. All right, uh, Patar Markowski, writing for Legal Gambling and the Law, has presented a case for the similarities between poker players and cryptocurrency traders. He says both need to know how to read people, how to manage risk, how to deal with pressure, and how to accept defeat. Uh, all right, so not the uh, earth-shattering, ground-shaking comparisons here, right? Right. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I read the article, and you could literally swap out the word cryptocurrency for stock trader, and the exact same article would, would be the exact same <laughs> true. With that being said, though, there I, I have seen a lot of crossover among poker players and crypto traders. Um, you know, our good friend Brent Philbin has his own little podcast on crypto, and uh, he's tried to explain it to me a hundred times, and I just don't get it. I'm like, yeah, but, but the money doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't get it either. I, I'll never get it. Like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it's a blockchain. I'm like, no, no, shut up. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, you know, just, uh, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago on the show, we mentioned that Calvin Air is, got bored with gaming and moved on to crypto. And uh, so there, there's a lot of uh, crossover. And I imagine, um, uh, so I mean I, I guess we're we're sort of like winking that uh, this is not uh, groundbreaking, but right. uh, but I think it's probably a better comparison than the stock trading, even though I think that's a very good comparison as well too, because um, I, I think it's 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 the newness, I think it's the um, the ability to really if you commit yourself to crypto and learn all the ins and outs of it, uh, you have an edge there, which I guess is not anything different than stock trading, but. Uh, but there are fewer people dealing in crypto, I think, right? Than yeah, oh yeah, than, than stocks. So oh yeah, um, I, I I just think uh, it, it's more of a something where uh, particularly online poker players, I think, when they saw this crypto thing start, that was just a, a natural thing for them to be interested in, right? And then um, not surprising that they became very good at it as well, too. So I'll never get it. I'll never understand it. And I guess that makes me the old. You know, generation that I'm finally, you know, like if you wanted to watch the Grammys the other night, I would have missed everything would have gone over my head watching the Grammys. Like, you know, I mean, there's like three artists I would have recognized, and then the rest of the stuff I'd have been like, I don't three get more it. than I recognize. <laughs> the performances, and I'm like, I don't know. Not only do I not even know any of these songs, I don't know these artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we've we've officially moved into that phase that we're we're old and clueless now because it's <laughs> cryptocurrency. I, you can explain to me all you want. I've had Brent try to give me the. I'll never get it, and I just don't understand it. I remember there was an episode of like, uh, was it the Big Bang, where they're like, they said, "Hey, remember that time we were mining for Bitcoin when it first came out?" And and I'm like, I, I, "What? I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I just, I never will." And yeah, we're uh, we're definitely Daniel Stern on City Slickers. There. That's right. Learn how to use the VCR, right? <laughs> the cows are going to get it before we do. So. The mere fact that you brought up City Slickers proves my point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. 
Oh man, but yeah, uh, I, I I did. I I just went in there. I read the article and I just swapped out cryptocurrency with Stock Trader, and it was the exact same story we heard back when we had Chip and Karina Jet in the in the booth with us back at the Times, and they were talking about how they were being interviewed for that back in the day, and they were comparing them to stock traders and stuff. So it's been around forever that that idea. All right, a quick update from last week. Allied Esports, the owner of World Poker Tour, has chosen to go with Bally's Corp's uh, larger all-cash deal, jilting an offer agreed to with Element Partners in January. Bally's will pay Element a $3 million termination fee and will pay Allied $90 million at closing and also acquire Club Services Incorporated, a wholly owned subsidiary. So raise your hand if you're surprised that they took the much better offer. Everybody's hands are up. All right. I, I just don't understand why Bally's got to pay the termination fee. They didn't do anything wrong. They said, hey, we got a deal for you. But Allied paid the $3 Probably million. Part of the negotiation, right? Like, like, hey. right? I guess so. Yeah. I guess they're like, hey, if you want us to change the deal for you, we're going to we're gonna get a bunch more money, and you're going to pay someone else money for us, too. That's crazy, <laughs> man. Why can't we have that kind of power, Scott? Yeah. I mean, really, at this point, I, I would just take the $3 million termination fee and be happy, right? So. Hey, didn't we put a bid in to buy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. our Where's our money? We We should get a three dollar and seventy six cent termination <laughs> fee. <laughs> we should get something. I mean, we considered buying it. All right. Well, now the Elementals got all or Elements got all this money now, right? That, that they got for free. They, they They should buy the podcast from us. Yeah. Go reach out to them, will you? Sounds like a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, we don't we we don't know what uh, Element had planned for the WPT. There There wasn't much information that came out. So. It's kind of hard for uh, fans of poker to uh, know whether this is a, a better development or not. But on the surface, I think it would have to be because, you know, Bally's owns these casinos, uh, dozens of them around the country. So they're, they're invested in that space already. So I think from a traditional poker standpoint, this is probably better for us. Sure. Uh, um, Absolutely. Again, I, I don't know what Element had planned, but they, they don't own casinos. So it, it's fair to assume that they might have taken that company in a, a different direction that might have been better. I don't know, but would not have been as traditional, I think. So well, the other thing too is that they Bally's will ensure the success of their own events by hosting their own, you know, uh, step tournaments and things like that. And, and you know, I mean they're they're yes. invested in their own pro their own product, whereas right, Elemental is just gonna be Element. I keep saying Elemental. I don't know why. El- element uh, was just going to have to do something with it and sell the brand. But in this case, Bally's can support its own brand by having its own tournaments to get yourself in. So you, the fields are going to be successful. And so, yeah, I think it is win-win for the poker player. We will see soon, unless somebody comes in with $150 million. <laughs> well, that's what we need to do. We need to come in with a really big offer, and then uh, no, that ain't going to work either. Never mind. All right, long-time listener Rick Barnes made Chris's day or week or um, let's just go ahead and say life with this tidbit <laughs> that he shared after last week's 1,245th discussion of how Sean Deeb wormed out of giving Chris $50 years ago. <laughs> and here's what Rick says. Uh, I have some good news, bad news for Chris. The $50 that you were owed by uh, from Sean Deeb at a generous 10% year interest would have amounted to uh, only a little less than $130. However... No self-respecting loan shark is going to let anybody get away with 10% per year. More commonly, a loan shark would charge an usurious 10% per week. <laughs> At that rate, because of the joys of compound interest, your $50 would amount to a little less than $5 million. And he says, yes, I said $5 million. 
over 10 years. Congratulations on your retirement, and don't forget your good friend, Rick. Uh, just when I thought this story was over, we pull it back in. <laughs> well, I tell you, and that's what I mentioned on the show, I said the VIG. So I was thinking, you know, I mean, I said like two or three grand. I never really figured out what the VIG was, but wow, five million. Can you imagine if I like sent him an email and was like, hey, Sean, <laughs> I got witnesses right here. Look at this. Sorry, you know, Rick Barnes, it's official. So, you know. Rick, if you get him to pay me the five million, I, I'll give you half. I promise. <laughs> finder's fee. <laughs> that's right. I'll give you the half, half of it, finder's fee. And that's why you and I could never, you know, you could never be like mob bosses or, or loan sharks because there's, no, there's no way I could. First of all, I can't even figure the numbers out. <laughs> compound interest is no joke. So if you if you're owing people money, that compound interest is going to be painful, as Rick um, explained. Yeah. Um, if you are making money off of it, it's fantastic. So uh, highly recommend. And I wish I I can remember the exact title of it, but there was an HBO movie on Warren Buffett that came out probably a year ago, maybe a little bit more. And he really explained that that's how he's a multi billionaire is, is because of compound. Yeah. You know, you get money, and then you use that money to make more money. And as long as you hold on to that money, you make more money. And, and so it was really just – its it was fascinating to me because it, it, it's never been about the money for him. And, you know, and if you know anything about Warren Buffett, he, he drives an old pickup truck. He eats at McDonald's, and, you know, he's not uh, – doesn't have the gold-plated toilet. Yeah, he's not flashy. These other folks have, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and a big reason of it is because he knows if he has to – Spend that money. That's less money he can make, and it's it, it really is. It, it's like a like a, I don't want to say a hobby, but it's um it's a passion for him to see how much it is. And and one of the things that was really interesting was his um his first wife really wanted to to become charitable with all this money they had, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't that he didn't want to be charitable because uh, he's certainly a nice guy, but he's like, wait a minute, we give that money away. That's less money we can make <laughs> on the compound. So. <laughs> So you know, it wasn't about being rich and spending it. It's just it, it, it's like, man, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be losing the game now. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. So well, well, she passed away, and he saw the uh, uh, her uh, her vision, and uh, is now giving it away. So yeah. not to us, but no, no. But um, I yeah, I went through this kind of conversation with our investor. You know, he's like, every seven years, you know, you keep doing it this way. Every seven years, your money will double. And I'm like, okay, well, let's. He said, well, here, I'll show you. And then he called up the last 21 years of us investing, and he's like, see? And I'm like, wow, I guess so. <laughs> so it's true. That compound interest really helps. It really is crazy how it works, but it's, that's awesome. But yeah, I, I, I didn't benefit from that at all with the 50 bucks. So someday, <laughs> someday I'll get it. All right, here's this week's update on casinos and poker room reopenings in Ohio, Jack, Cleveland Casino, Hard Wreck. Hard Rock Casino Cincinnati, Hollywood Casino Toledo, and Hollywood Casino Columbus have reopened their poker rooms. Island Resort and Casino in Michigan has reopened its poker room. And Fortune Bay Resort Casino in Minnesota will reopen its poker room on April 2nd. We now have 226 reopened poker rooms in the United States. And antiupmagazine.com slash reopen list verify details on casino and poker room reopenings. If you have updates, email us at editor at antiupmagazine.com. And we're also emailing a weekly e-blast with updates you can subscribe to on the homepage at antiupmagazine.com. And it just went out four minutes ago, hot off the press. Wow. All right, anti-updates. Uh, Papes, the anti-up fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, 26th every month and rotate discipline to the main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. 
You can join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, and Annie Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast.annieupmagazine.com or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.annieupmagazine.com. If they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Okay, so Rick Barnes, back in the show here. It's all, it's all part of one email, I think he sent us. Yep. He said he's at a local shootout tournament, and he's reached the final table. The hand is folded around to him in middle position, and he looks down at the ace-king of clubs. He raises his usual 3x, three, three and uh, glad to see the extremely loose and aggressive small blind and the loose big blind call. He was especially excited to see the flop come ace six tray rainbow. He says, now I knew that I could be up against ace six, ace tray, or a set, but I was very comfortable with this flop. I knew that if the other players had an ace, I was probably going to get their stack. As I was contemplating uh, how much to bet uh, to get a call, the small blind donk shoves his 10 big blinds, and we have about 20 big blinds. Before I have time to celebrate, the big blind reshoves, covering my 20 big blinds. What do I do? Uh, he says, answer, I fold. My reasoning, even if I were ahead of the small blind, the big blind must surely have aces beat, uh, as there were uh, was a great chance that I had, uh, well, as there was a great chance that I had an ace when I raised. So he says, here's what happened. The small blind was suicidal. I knew he didn't have a set, as he would definitely uh, have shoved with a pocket pair preflop. He shoved with ace-5. He should have known that if I had an ace, then, with the exception of two hands, I had him crushed. If I didn't have an ace, then he should have tried to milk my hand. As it is, he assured himself that he would lose a maximum or win the minimum, even if I had king-king. The big blind was more difficult. He also should have known that there was a good chance I had an ace, but chose to shove anyway. He had to have me beat, or not. He instantly reshoved with ace-8, and I folded my ace-king, which would have held up. Was I too tight? I thought this was an obvious fold, but as I was bemoaning my play, a couple of players expressed disbelief that I could fold ace-king there, and may not have uh, and may not have believed me uh, had I not flashed my cards to a neighbor before folding. Was their play stupid, or did they do what they wanted to do by forcing me out? Or perhaps, being more generous to the big blind, he came to the same conclusion that I did, that the small blind could have donked with anything and not sure of my hand, decided to see the rest of the hand with his paired ace. Oh well, at least I survived, even if the small blind didn't. So we're kind of like doing a mini kind of situation hand of the yeah. week thingy here, in the middle of the show, right? Yeah, why okay. not? All right, very good. I agree. Well, and I, and it's like, it's it's weird. I, I can't see myself folding there. Um, I don't really have that many big blinds. I know you would say 20 is, but, you know, the new school, you know, I mean, 20 big blinds are hands that people shove anyway a lot on just preflop. So if I have my ace king and I hit my ace and I've got guys who are out of position betting into me, doesn't seem like if they had a really big hand, why would they shove and try to scare us off? They'd let us see bet. So I really felt like I was ahead there and I would have called, but I, that's just me. I don't think I could fold there. Yeah, there's a couple couple things that came to mind here. One, um, it's a shootout tournament. Now we are at the final table. 
But if we weren't at the final table, I would 100% call here because the object of a shootout tournament is eliminating players. Right. Uh, so, uh, but we're at the final table now. So I, I'd be curious that what the pay schedule is. I assume most shootout tournaments, once you make the final table, you, you're in the money. So um, that that's not really a consideration. Um, but uh, at most tournaments, though, the the big money's on top, right? So right. if I can knock two two players out here, that's that's a lot of equity for me uh, financially. And the fact that I, I have a made hand, um, and I'm not uh, bluffing here. Um, that makes it all that much easier. Um, a couple of those things I thought about too. This small blind is, it really looked like a good stop and go there, right? You know, yeah. with, with his chip stack, he really should have shoved pre flop. Um, but, uh, but we probably saw with those raise there, um, that that's that good move where you make a call and then you shove any flop, right? So, and, um, and hopefully you can make some more money that way. So, uh, I, I, I don't, didn't really worry too much about him. It is interesting that the, uh, the big, the big blind, um, shoved as well too, and put himself at risk against us. Um, probably just assume, you know, we were making a position play there and, and running the odds, right? Um, or the fact that uh, it, it had worked against Rick, right? You got Rick to lay it down, the better yeah. hand. Yeah. So, um, but really at that point, you know, with top top, um, I have a chance to eliminate two players at the final table, um, probably severely chip up. I mean, at that point, and we're talking 60 big lines, right? At that more than 60 big lines if we win this hand. Um, and I got to think that puts us in the driver's seat to win this. Um, that, that's, that's a, a chance that I'm not going to pass up. Well, one thing I will say is the big blind had us covered, so we weren't going to eliminate him. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm sorry. But sorry. even oh. so, that tells me even more that if this guy had us crushed, he would have just called, letting us call too. Letting us come in. Right. Yeah. So the fact that he reshows, I think he's saying, I got the other guy covered. I'm going to scare him out of this hand. And yeah, then isolate yeah. this guy, eliminate him, and then increase my stack that's bigger than his. So, yeah, the fact that I think that he didn't just call and hope for us to call and get more money out of it means that I think we had him beat. And it's weird. I mean, that's that's the case ace coming on that flop when three guys have an ace. That's just insane. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't see any hands beating us there, you know. And I, I like you said, you're at the, the shootout. The big money's on top. You're already in the money probably. And the fact that you – um, you know, you had a top top. Yeah, I just can't let that go. And you took control of the hand preflop. I, I just can't. I can't let that go, no matter what they do. And uh, if it knocks me out, it knocks me out, and I learn from it. But in this case, I've made some money, and I have a really good shot. And these are the types of chances that people take to get to the big stack, so they can get to the final table and make big money, or the final three and make the big money. I mean, so yeah, I don't think I could fold there. Nope. All right. Well, we have a, a complete, we get to complete an O'Malley's move today, which is very exciting. We're going to listen to uh, part one uh, to refresh our memories, and then we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This is the second episode of that eight handed session of a $1, $2 No Limit Hold'em Casino cash game. The blinds post, and the villain, who has asked for the seat change, finds himself in the under-the-gun position with a stack of 275. This time, he makes a raise of $8. It's folded around to us on the button, and we've got a sizable chunk of our losses back. 
We have 325, still down 75 on the night, and we're hungry for some revenge. Perhaps that clouds our judgment as we look down at the 10 of spades, 7 of spades. I don't want to simply call here and see a flop. I'd rather discourage any more players coming in and hopefully take this pot right away. I think this is a razor fold scenario, and we select the former. We make it $25 to go. The blinds do fold, but the under-the-gun calls with little thought. The pot is around $50, and the flop is rather favorable. The nine of clubs, eight of spades, tray of spades comes down. The under-the-gun checks, and we make a $30 bet into the pot. We have a lot of equity here, so we really won't mind if he comes along. The under-the-gun hesitates this time, but then calls. The pot is $110, and we love the sight of the turn. The six of clubs comes down, giving us the nuts. Our opponent once again checks. This does bring a second flush draw on the board. If he had a flush draw on the flop, I think he would have bet out. I also think he would have bet with something like jack-10 of clubs. If this is another set, we've got him for now. We bet $70. We want to get value for our hand, but we also want to make it so that any draws would be making a mistake if they call. Our opponent calls quickly. There's now 250 in the pot, and the river is the 10 of hearts. Our opponent once again shoves, this time for 175. So, it's 175 to win 425. If we call and lose, we're down to $50. A win puts us in the positive for the night. What's the move? Well, let me start by saying I'm not looking forward to yet another hand with this player. Another <laughs> gut check moment. Uh, Queen Jack is a legitimate holding, especially if it is spades. Now that we know this opponent doesn't mind shoving with the nuts, we have to give him credit for that, for at least having that move in his pocket. Uh, but are we up against the same thing again? Or is he just pushing with another set uh, not wise to the straight possibilities? I'm a glutton for punishment, so I think I'm calling again. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> I'm folded, buddy. I'm folded, which is good, because at least one of us will be right. So here, here comes part two. Hello again. I apparently did not learn my lesson. This to me seemed like a busted flush draw. We called pretty quickly, and we were right. This was a busted flush draw. Our opponent rolls over the queen of clubs, jack of clubs, for a busted flush draw. Oh, wait a minute. That's the nuts. He rolls over queen of clubs, jack of clubs, for the absolute mortal nuts. We're in a bit of shock as our opponent starts stacking the chips of a pot we were sure we'd won. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, is this a sometimes coolers happen situation? Or was this yet another instance of O'Malley making the wrong move? I hope to see you on the felt. All right, Chris is one step wiser than me, uh, but this is the last time I fall for our opponent shoving with the best hand. No more banana in the tailpipe for me. <laughs> another reference that shows how old we are. Uh, I wrote on my file here, I wrote, yay, but I, I meant yay like I was right, not yay that O'Malley lost, so I'm boo for O'Malley, sorry, buddy, but uh, yeah, that's why these players are so successful, too, because you just, you just don't know, you know, Scott would have lost again to this guy, and I only folded because it was funnier to say, you know, one step wiser to me, you know, um, 
but um, well, sorry, we have one more hand with this villain uh, in the next two weeks, um, and I'm going to be supremely disappointed if he does the same thing and we fall for it again. <laughs> I know. Because here's the thing, when you made this move once, like I said, the second time now, um, I mean, it's such a bold move that people are not going to forget that, right? Yeah. I mean, O'Malley's not going to forget that that first move. I mean, obviously, um, he and I sort of forgot it <laughs> the second time. But <laughs> um, but but now, you, 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 I don't think you can make, he can't make that, he's made that move twice on us now, right? He, he can't make that move ever again now, I don't think. Hmm. So, you know, he's got you thinking that he can't do it. He's going to do the opposite of what you're thinking. He's going to do it again. Oh, I just, yeah, <laughs> I think I think from now on he's going to have to. Uh, but, but now what he's done is he's set up being able to do that without the hand, right? Right. Because now, now he's like, oh, my God, that's twice in a row. This guy has shoved with a, the made hand or the nuts and got us. And uh, um, so... I'm not going to call anymore, right? Because you already fell off the wagon there. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that's where the power comes in here is, is really playing the player. So um, we'll see what happens in the next one. But. Yeah, it's, if it happens again, I'm just going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sign with advancedpokertraining.com, hand of the week, send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you have something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And i got to remember to take my braces out before the show. So hard to say all those big words. <laughs> oh, I thought you just had dentures. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call it to sound, make it sound better. <laughs> all right. So remember last week, uh, Chris Mayen uh, sent us in two hands. So we had a uh, very interesting hand last week. And uh, so no pressure. We're going to do the second hand here and see if it is just as good. Okay. All right. Uh, he's playing one, two, no limit online. It's six, six-handed. Um, and the under gun plus one makes the standard raise to five skittles. The uh, cutoff calls, and we are in the big blind. The queen of clubs, queen of diamonds. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. You know, it's weird because it generally a lot of people online when they're playing these limits, you know, it's it's not that they're very tricky or or even experienced. Um, so. If they make a raise here, they're almost playing with their cards face up that they have a big pair um, or even an ace-king or something. So uh, sometimes, you know, people would just call with these and see if it's a safe board and they know they're going to have, you know, no position for the rest of the hand. So they might check and let the person who took control of the hand bet on a, on a blank flop and they check raise to get a little bet out of them or something. So there are kind of different ways to play this. Uh, for me, I mean, I would see making it a raise, but I probably want to make it a pretty big raise. So they might think I have a small pair or something that's susceptible. I'm really not sure how much to make it. It was weird that the standard raise is only five. Five, yeah. You know, so, uh, we have one caller. So if you're going to make it 15, then you add five, you make it 20. And that, that seems pretty standard at any table in any, you know, any poker room anywhere. So, I mean, I guess you can make it 20 to go. I just feel like they're going to, if an ace comes, um, you gotta bet, you know, no matter what, you gotta prove to them that you aren't afraid of it or that it helped you and you took control mm-hmm. of this hand, you know. Um, but I, I, I don't know. A little part of me says I think I could get away with calling here. Mm-hmm. And then if scare cards come, then I could just do the standard, hey, he was just calling out of the blind because he had some interesting cards and check fold. Um, but you want to get value for your big hand. So I guess I'll make it 20 to go and just hope for a, 
rainbow low flop that I can just see bet and take down a decent pot. But uh, it's tricky. It's not like it's ace ace. You know, it's no, queen queen yeah. and um, any cards that come over. You know, ace or king is going to come on a flop a lot of times. So um, I don't know. I guess I'll make it twenty to go. It, yeah, it's definitely a tough spot to be in because. You don't want to be up against two opponents with queens, um, because again, if that ace or that king comes, now you're you're worried that one one of or both of them have it, right? So, right. Um, but but raising, and now you're going to play this hand out of position, and it's a hand that's great now. But again, what happens when that ace and king comes on the flop? I mean, you you do it to see bet, and um, so I mean, you're setting yourself up potentially to lose more money. But so it's really, I guess, the trying to decide where you're most, most vulnerable calling and not putting a lot of money in, but facing two opponents or raising and putting yourself at risk of, um, you know, having to, to bet a bad flop and, and shut it down at that point. And the one thing that we're forgetting too, is that, you know, we raise, you might be re-raised again. True. You know, so, I mean, I, it, I don't know. Um, cause under the gun plus one isn't really as powerful as it would be if they were playing nine or 10 handed. You know, six-handed. I mean, he's basically one off the with the cutoff or whatever. So I mean, it's it's not that he could have anything, but at the same time, you, you know, you can't you can't tell because it's just one fold before it gets to him. So you don't know if it's a powerful hand because he's early in the hand, or it could be any two cards. So right. Right. Um, you probably should raise here that because of that and get at least one of these guys to fold so that especially you know. Um, you know how much more powerful your hand to be if you're only up against two cards instead of four. So I guess we got to make it twenty to go. Uh, I'm gonna call just to be a little bit different. Okay, uh, and be a little trickier. So cool, uh, just like O'Malley's yeah. move. We're doing something yep. different. I, I know, I know the risk I'm at, but uh, that my my style of play. I think I'm gonna be better off by um, being a little tricky here and and hoping for a good flop that um, I can surprise some people with. So okay, good. That's good. I wanted to, I wanted to take that tactic, but I just in my heart couldn't feel like I would just call. So now we're going to be able to explore both sides. So that's pretty cool. All right, go ahead. All right. Both the Chris's are on board with each other because our hero makes it 20 to go. <laughs> the undergun plus one calls. And after about five to eight seconds, the cutoff folds. All right. So at least we got heads up. That's what we wanted. We yeah. didn't get raised. So, so far everything's going pretty well. Yeah. The flop is the king of clubs, six of diamonds, king of hearts, pots, 46 skittles. And we are first to act. Okay. So if we were Scott, we would probably check because mm-hmm. Scott would have checked or called pre-flop, but we bet we got to do a Chris did. So now we got to reevaluate. So I'm definitely betting this flop. This is a pretty good flop for us. Um, you know, if he yeah, has a, one King, but uh, seeing two Kings. Yeah. Two Kings is nice. I mean, I know there's a little, I remember Todd Brunson wrote an excerpt. I think it was during the stud eight chapter of the super system two, where he said, you know, just because that person, you, just because you have an ace doesn't mean that it's not another ace out or something. You know, it's not it's not less likely. And they went through all these numbers and everything. And and so it, I don't like to use that argument all the time. That just because there's two kings there, it means less likely someone's having a king. Because how many times on our hand of the week does somebody flop trips when we you know we have top pair, top kicker or something? So um, I don't want to I don't want to use that as a crutch. But yeah, the fact that there's two kings on the board feels a lot safer to me in a six handed table. When mm-hmm. I have queen queen, so I'm definitely gonna bet. Um, so now there's forty something, forty six in the pot. You said so. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Uh, thirty. I'd bet thirty ish. 
Yeah, and definitely uh, definitely half the pot, so 23-ish, 23 to... Uh, yeah, somewhere in the 23 to 30 range, I think. Yeah, I like to bet two-thirds the pot on a flop and then narrow it down to half the pot and then a third of the pot as I move along with this because the pot's getting bigger. Um, so now is when I want to make more money, so I'll, I'll bet you know two-thirds or so. That's like about 30 bucks. All right, our hero checks, and the opponent our opponent bets twenty five. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to fold for that. I mean, I would have bet that. So, uh, I guess I would just call. I mean, I I don't know about. I mean, you could raise. You know, I don't I don't remember how much our stacks are and stuff either. So, I mean, you could raise. So we don't know. Improve. Yep. You have a better hand, but the fact is, I think that if you raise, then you know, I don't know what's, what I'm trying to say is that if if you raise here, you're only going to get raised or called by I would think a it feels like a better hand. Um, so maybe you make that raise now and get it out of the out in the open and and if he folds because he was just you know he took control of the hand and or no I guess we took control of the hand I'm thinking of you. Um, well, but we we gave up control here. We yeah, checked. Yeah, we gave up control. So now he's he's just thinking that we were scared by the kings, or you know, made a move and didn't work out, or whatever. And he he confidently bets in position. So I don't know. I, I would probably call until the turn. And if the turn seems pretty whatever, I might I might wake up and bet out. But um, I don't know if I'm going to raise because uh, I, I think raising just I don't know. There's something about raising that doesn't feel right here. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel right, but maybe we should raise. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously it'd be helpful to have some experience with this uh, opponent, uh, um, which I guess we can say all the time, right? Yeah. Um, The check opened up some interesting choices for us because it looks weak. Um, So what do we do now? Do we fold because we think he has a king? Well, that's that's too tight, obviously, I think. Um, So do we call... And let's assume that he doesn't have a king, right? And he's just making a move on us because we we slowed down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do we we call here and then bet out on the turn, no matter what it is? That's probably what I would say. If we're going to call here, I think that's what you have to do. You have to bet out on the turn and you know put some doubt in his mind that you know that we look weak, but we're really not. Uh, and you can make the same argument for raising at that point too. Is just to say, hey, all right, I got you. I checked, and you made that stupid bet, and, but I really have it. And um, and then of course, if he raises you again, then you got to get out. So um, I I don't know. I mean, I I guess probably the call and then bet any turn, and it'd be beautiful if that turn was a queen. <laughs> yeah. But um, that, that's probably the way to go at this point. Um, it's interesting because at this point I, I I I would have bet there, so I, the, the check is not something I would have considered there. So the um the call and then bet here is like a check raise with insurance because you know the check raise would have to have been seventy five or eighty, but now that the pot is only going to be about a hundred or so, now when you bet out one you get the benefit of seeing the turn. To not mm-hmm. being scared by an ace, and then two, you you get to bet less and still have the same effect because now if you bet half the pot, it's only going to be about fifty, whereas the other way it would have been seventy five. I mean, I guess the same amount, but you get to see a card for doing it because you call the bet of twenty five and then bet fifty, so it's the same amount, but without with get to see the card, and it's a, it's a unique move too. I mean, you're yeah. donk yeah. betting the turn rather than the flop, and then they're going to be like, whoa, 
why how did that help him you know and then it might so it's an interesting move i, I still don't know if i i still think i would have bet out that flop but um i like the call and then the bet if if you're gonna do it i don't want to check again so yeah i mean i guess the thing with the if you check the turn, if he doesn't have a king and he doesn't feel great about his hand, he's going to check behind and give you so you get you get to see the whole board that way. But he he was uh, the initial raiser in this hand, right? So I, I can't imagine him checking the turn, regardless of what his holdings are. So if we check again on the turn, he's going to bet again, right? So that's why I think we have to bet that that turn and take that that play away from him. And if he raises us, then all right, now we know, but. Um, so that's why I said it was interesting. There's a couple different things that could happen here. But. Yeah, the check call too makes the opponent think, well, you could have six six, you know, and you were you were making a twenty to go pre flop because you're trying to get heads up with someone, um, and you know, or trying to end it with a pair of sixes, and then now that you've hit it, you've checked because you don't want to bet out with the boat, and now he bets and you call. The call might make him think that. So if you check the turn again. He's gonna be like, all right, I'm gonna check behind because I don't know what this, what, why would this guy call? What, what board does he have, or what, what, uh, what hand does he have that he can just call my bet here? There's no draw at all out there. So then it starts. They start to think. I mean, this is just me. If yeah. the guy doesn't have a king in his hand, then maybe he has a pocket pair like we do, and he's wondering, okay, this is a good flop for my pocket pair. What hand can call there unless it's unless it's got the the deck crushed, or he's got a pair like me and he thinks his pair is bigger than sixes, and my pair is bigger than sixes, is my pair bigger than his? You know, what I mean, so there's some weird kind of level stuff that could be going on here as well. I mean, we, you know, we don't have this amount of time when we're at the table thinking of all this stuff. This is the end of the week, but. You know, if your mind is fast enough, this is stuff that you could be racing through in your Rolodex of history with this person. So, um, anyway, long story short, I, I would have probably bet the flop. Scott probably would have bet the flop. But now that you've, did we, did we, now that we've called this, did we called, right? Is that what we said? No, we haven't decided. We, we haven't decided yet. Okay. All right. So if, if we're going to raise here, it seems, I don't know. I mean, I I would have just bet this flop. So I don't I don't know what to say after that. I I think that um, a call and then a bet out is if you're gonna call, you have to bet yeah, the that's, turn. That's the best move. I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. Our hero calls and he says uh, because I think any king, mainly ace king, would bet small here to extract more value. Hmm. The turn is the nine of spades, making the board king of clubs, six of diamonds, king of hearts, nine of spades. Pot is 115 Skittles, and it is on us. And I think we've already said we were both betting, right? So, Yeah, and I wonder, well, he said before about ace-king betting small. I mean, I think 25 is probably smallish anyway. Um, it's about half the pot, which is what I was thinking. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think it's huge. But, I, I wouldn't mean, read anything into that bet size. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we talked about calling and betting, so we're betting. So I'm going to bet half the pot. I'm going to yeah. bet like 100. I mean, I'm like 50, which is, you know, it's 115, so I bet like 50 or so, 55. Yep, yep, exactly. All right, our hero says, I know that I should never narrow my opponent's range down to one hand, but with a big preflop raise for me and a call for the plus one, I decided to check, thinking that ace-ace would slow down at this point as well as any other hand besides king-jack or king-queen suited. My opponent also checks, and we go to the river. Okay, well, this is kind of what I played out before, so now it's really interesting that he decided to check before. So now I feel like I have to bet any river, right? Yeah. Yep, any river that doesn't have, like, an ace or... Yeah, I, I, any river that doesn't have an ace, I think we're good. Uh, all right, so uh, the river is the four of diamonds, 
And so our final board is King of Clubs, Six of Diamonds, King of Hearts, Nine of Spades, Four of Diamonds, Pot still, 115. And, yes, I think we're going to make that same bet that we yep. that we would have made last time, right? Yep, I agree. Same bet. All right, our hero checks, and our opponent bets 75. Uh, it's only 25 more than what I would have bet. I want to see if this guy's holding, and I, I think we're good. Uh, I mean, the only hand that beats us is a random king, 6-6-9-9-4-4, and then weird king-9 crap. But any king beats us, so... And then ace-ace. I just don't see it. I don't see those hands playing it this way. So and, and checking that turn, I mean, I mean, I know there wasn't a lot of trouble. There's no flush or straight draws that we were terribly worried about there, but that just seemed um, weak, right? So, yeah, yeah I, I feel pretty confident that, that we have the best hand here. The way we played it doesn't make me confident enough to raise here, but uh, definitely makes me confident enough to make this call and see what we're up against. Right, if we're the villain, <clears throat> we're the villain and we check that turn, what we're saying is we bet the flop after you checked and you called with two kings on the board. So the turn came and then you checked. We checked behind thinking that you were hoping to walk the dog and we were going to keep betting into you with your three kings. So when we don't bet the river... Now he's saying, okay, if somebody had three kings, they were going to be value bet here now yeah, after so all those checks, play, right? Yeah. right? And they didn't value bet. So that's why he's emboldened with the 75. I'm going to say this guy has like 10, 10 and we, we have him beat and I'm calling or, you know, yeah. Jack, Jack, cause it's yeah, not sure. nine, nine. Yeah. And it's not eight, eight. So I'm going to say 10, 10, Jack, Jack, or just a whiff, but I don't think it's a whiff. Yeah. It could be some other kind of ace, uh, you know, ace, yeah. queen, you know, something like that, that. That would have raised pre-flop and and called a bet and then took a shot at this because we slowed down and I mean it, we, both both players have confused each other. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Played here, I yeah. think so. Yeah. So really, anything could be turned over here, but uh, but I'd be surprised if we're losing this hand. Yep, yeah, I agree. All right, here it says this is an odd size bet as I feel that ace ace or any suited Broadway would shove as a semi bluff or bluff and a king would make a small value bet. I have a 70-second time bank on top of my 20-second normal time, to which I tank all the way down to 10 seconds thinking about this. Would a naked king really bet this close to the size of the pot without overbetting? As the time ticks down, I come to the conclusion that if my opponent had the same hand as me in this position, queen-queen, I might play out exactly the same way. I don't know why I didn't shove with this in mind to make him full, but I decided to call expecting a chop. The opponent uh, turns over a jack of spades, jack of clubs. <laughs> And we win a big pot and let my nerves and time bank get the best of me by making the call. And I'm wondering how how much did I exploit myself by not shoving on top of his river bet? What could I have done differently in this hand? Well, you know, again, I don't – I guess there's a case to be made out there where we're saying, hey, we really believe that we had the best hand here. And if that's the case, then you, you should raise, right? But um, I don't think that that's a terrible uh, mistake. And I don't know whether we would have got called with the jacks there. Yeah, here's the thing is one – I, I don't think that's a positive play in the long run uh, because you, you just when you just don't have all the information, you can never be sure enough that it's better than 50-50 for every time you do it that you're going to make money on that shove. And, and again, you're only going to get called by a better hand. Jack-Jack's not going to call your shove. So you would have won the hand whether you called or shoved. Ace-Ace may call that shove and you lose. Any random king calls that shove and you lose. So the only hands that you are going to be successful with are hands that you're going to be successful with with a call anyway. You know, a shove there makes no, no, no point 
to it because you, you, you're going to lose to the better hands they're going to call. And you're going to beat the hands that you would have beat with a call anyway. So I don't, I don't like a shove there at all. I, I don't see any reason for it. And the queen queen, that's such an unbelievably rare occurrence right, that I right. would never think of the chop in my head ever. And if yeah. it's a chop, then, you know, okay, so that's the one hand that might have called you that you would have, you know, but, and you would have tied. But I never think of queen queen in that situation ever, ever. Um, yeah, I, I just it, – it's curious. I, we probably got the most money out of his hand playing it as weirdly as we did, I think. Um, I mean, we raised pre-flop and, um, you know, had we bet out on this flop, it would be interesting whether he would have – He probably would have called. Jacks there, right? He probably would have called the, the first bet and then saw how we acted on the turn because that's and just – Then we know. bet the turn and then he's like, all right, I, I, I can't continue, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't didn't look at how the bets came down, but it's possible we could have made a little bit more money off this. But uh, but uh, but uh, I don't think we played this optimally. But I think we got more money out of it playing it this way. <laughs> yeah, played. I think the way we played it is a safe play overall over your career. You'd make more money playing it the way we played it overall, maybe. But playing it your way on this particular hand. It's like the Top Gun scene that we reference every once in a while where he yeah. hits the brakes and the plane goes right by and they're like, yeah, it worked this time, but overall, this is not going to work for you. You're going to die. <laughs> the better way to do it is over here. You'll win. You'll live more this way. And same thing with this. I think you, you got more money this one time, but I think playing it this way all the time will result in you losing or not getting enough money out of it. So, Right. All right, cool. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.